There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Okay, so all the good mood that I had yesterday has now completely disappeared. Any of the good mood that I had yesterday has completely disappeared because People are getting nuts out there. They're just a mess in the stores, on the streets, wherever. Everything takes five times as long as it normally would. People are impatient. So much for the holiday spirit. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say. This happens every single year. I think to myself, it's going to be lovely and everybody's going to be in a wonderful giving mood and we're all going to be kind to one another. It's a the 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 most wonderful time of the year and then uh, reality sets in matter of fact my friend uh had written a song and he sent it to me and i'm i'm really i've been tempted to sing it all week long but my throat and my scratchy throat and all the rest of it I thought to myself, uh, you know, maybe maybe not. Maybe I won't actually sing this song and mess it up because it's really good. And you hate to mess up somebody's great music. So I was a little bit reluctant. I think by the end of the show, though, if, I, if my mood doesn't improve substantially, I'm going to sing it just because it'll make me feel better. How about that? It's a political... Santa Claus is coming to town, basically. So we'll see. You know, I I never know where the show, the direction the show is going to go in at the top of the show. Even if I have a total plan, it just has a life of its own and I allow it to have that life. I don't know how many of you got to watch the most ridiculous interview I think I've ever seen yesterday. I didn't, I don't watch the news itself But I'll get, people will send me outtakes or I guess they're just versions or or clips of various news program. And the Fox News special report, which features the anchor, Brett Baer, who much to his credit, I really don't know much about him politically. I, I don't think he's a conservative, but I don't think he's much of a, you know, moderate either. And he had an interview yesterday with Liz Cheney, who apparently her book is doing rather well. I don't know a single person who has ordered this book or has told me they are reading this book or who has read this book. I haven't even been approached for an interview about this book. And trust me, anytime a political person writes a book, all the radio talk show hosts in America get slammed with requests. And I seldom say yes, I do. You know, I'll say it for Brian or uh, Bill O'Reilly. I'll say it for 
I would say it for Mark Levin, but he, they never ask. So I would, uh, there's some people you would want to interview anyway. You're going to read the book, and the book, if it's good, you want your audience to know about it. But I have no intention of reading Liz Cheney's book. Uh, you know, this is a person who basically looks down her nose at me. And she was on this uh, special report yesterday, and I got a clip sent to me. And she told the audience, literally, now, my presumption is you're, you have a Fox News audience. And my, I would imagine that you try to not be in, don't call them deplorables. You know, that's not a good idea. She didn't. But she's so anti-Trump, it's kind of crazy. So she urged the Fox News viewers to ditch Donald Trump. And then proceeded to announce how the other candidates, or at least they won't torch the Constitution and they won't try to seize power, as though Donald Trump did that. He never did do that. He never would do that. She's such a garbage monger. I don't know what else to call her. She And he, here's the best part. Brett Baer in the little clip that was sent to me, and I presume the reason it was sent to me was because of this line of questioning. He says to her, well, I'm looking at your record. You voted 93% of the time with Donald Trump when you were serving in Congress and he was the president. You know, so it wasn't until January 6th, apparently, that the 45th president became too much for her. And then she became a critic of Donald Trump and questioned his conservative qualities or his bona fides. Now, give me a break. Donald Trump may have been the most conservative behaving president we ever had. I don't know what his heart is. I really don't care. All I know is the things that matter to me and most other conservatives, he was going for them. Full gusto, 100% in. So for her to get on media and uh, promote her book, Oath and Honor, a memoir and a warning, you know, she was completely awful about uh, Fo Fox News when she was on CNN, unsparing in her criticisms how it was described. And, and she blames Fox for enabling Donald Trump's election claims and even blame Fox for the January 6th riots when she was on CNN. And then she went, uh, you know, Fox News is terrible ever since Charles Krauthammer died. I mean, come on, that was so long ago, it's not even funny. And to say that they played a dangerous role, a damaging role in spreading disinformation about the uh, January 6th event and then not debunking all of the election lies, particularly the ones that she said were made by Trump. Come on, you know, who listens to her anyway? That's why when somebody said to me, well, her book is selling well, I'm going like, really? To who? Who is going to buy her book? Liberals? I doubt it. She's Dick Cheney's daughter. They hate Dick Cheney almost as much as they hate Donald Trump. But she, she of course, was... Uh, talking about Charles Krauthammer when she was on Brett Baer's show. 
and how he had such tremendous insights and he was so valuable here in your on your show because I presume he was on a panel quite often with Brett Baer. And, and then she talks about how revered he was, how he taught us all so much. I don't know. You can't, you can't, uh, you can't make sense of these people. They don't, they don't make any sense. They're ridiculous. So Brett Baer said, if you look at the polls, Donald Trump is up 63% to his nearest rival, 12% in Iowa. In the Des Moines Register, he's at 51%. And you just, Brett Baer told her, go down state by state by state. Why is nobody listening to you? He didn't say it that way. He said, why is your message not resonating if it's so important and so urgent? Why can't the electorate see it? She says, well, I think you're actually beginning to see some movement. No, you're not. His lead keeps growing. There are some other polls out today, she said, that show some movement among some of the other candidates. Of course. Yeah, Nikki Haley is now beating Ron DeSantis. And Nikki Haley is beating Chris Christie. And Nikki Haley is uh, beating Asa Hutchinson. And Nikki Haley is beating Vivek Ramaswamy. But Nikki Haley is not anywhere close to Donald Trump. So what is she talking about? Well, she's just talking out her, uh, her pie hole. And policies matter. And she's in there going, well, you know, we got to put politics aside because it's the, it's the Constitution that matters. Well, okay. How do you get conservative policies without a politician who's willing to enact them? And why would he have to torch the Constitution to do that? And that was her claim. So in other words, she believes that conservative policies require the torching of the Constitution to get them, in, to get them passed. And then she went on like championing her own cause and urging the people who were watching the show, if you're going to vote in the caucuses, if you're going to vote in these primaries, don't vote for Donald Trump. Vote for anybody else. <laughs> okay. That ain't going to happen. Maybe you ought to uh, think about the fact that you lost your primary, Liz Cheney, to Harriet Harman, two to one, because you are so out of touch with the average person, that's the only thing that uh, anybody could ascertain by all of the polling uh, choices that she's bringing up and then all of the realities that happened in her own election. And a summary of the investigation into whether Donald Trump uh, coordinated with Russia, what? That was what she was fighting in the beginning of the Trump administration, she said there was no proof of collusion between the uh, Trump campaign and Russia. So what the heck? What, she can't even decide what side she's on, really. And she was talking about vote, running as a third-party candidate. I wish she would, just to see the abject humiliation when she got less than half a percent of voters. That's all. She won her primary by 70% of the vote. I could have done it again if I was willing to lie about what Donald Trump did, and I wasn't willing to do that. So in other words, you just said the voters in Wyoming are so stupid that they would have believed your lie. And that, you know, 
here's a person who literally voted against the impeachment the first time and then voted for it the second time and is still trying to make us understand why. It's just beyond my comprehension. I haven't made a decision whether I'm going to run or not. Well, let me make it for you, Liz. Sit it out. Sit it out because you're not going to get anything accomplished by running. You're not going to take any votes away from Donald Trump. You're not going to take any votes away from Joe Biden. You're not going to have any kind of showing which would lead anyone in this country to believe that maybe you're not the only person who is so anti-Trump that they can't see straight. That's the bottom line. But, you know, these people, they just can't see it. If you see all of the things that are happening on a daily basis and how the media either chooses not to cover it or covers it with a bunch of bold-faced misdirections. I, they are lies, but they like to like just sort of misdirect your attention. And I think the American public, we're pretty hip to them now. We're not really depending on them. And one thing you have to be conscious about as we go into this next year, this is the election year, they are infuriated. They never thought for a moment that Donald Trump had a prayer of getting the nomination, never mind a prayer of actually winning the White House again. And so they are desperate. And when you back desperate people into a corner, they do desperate things. So everybody's going to have to be really cautious, really careful. There better be teams of lawyers everywhere. I've been promised there would be. And you're going to need them. And you're going to need to show up and watch what goes on in these polling stations, particularly the people who live in these swing states, because the swing states, once again, are holding the levers of power. And it's not looking uh, particularly good for anybody except Donald Trump right now, which is okay with me. Don't forget to download the app, the 850 WFTL app. That way you can listen to podcasts. As soon as they come up, you can have all kinds of uh, chances to win some great contests for giving away gift certificates, giving away a four pass to the South Florida Fair that's going to be happening up there at the South Florida Fairgrounds in January. And if you have that app, you can just uh, you know do it right there, right on your phone or your laptop. If you don't want to do that, go to the website, 850wftl.com. You can still access all that information there. Let me take a break. I will be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, so my friend Peter Hoffman, he's really very, very talented. Um, wrote some of the most popular advertisements you've ever seen in the last, you know, I don't know, 25, 30 years, maybe longer. And... He always writes me little parody songs, and sometimes I, I, I'm just reluctant to do them because I don't feel qualified, even though I am. 
and they're just so good that you don't want to blow them. But I'm, I'm working up my courage to do this one. It's uh, to the tune of Santa Claus is Coming to Town, and it's just priceless. It really is. So uh, during the next break, I'm going to do my warm-up. La, 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 la. Me, me, ma, mo, moo. I'll do all my warm-up warm exercises and hopefully be able to uh, pull it off. Or at least I'll give it a good shot, right? So this was the 118th Congress was the least competent Congress since, I don't know, um, I'm trying to think, since the 101st. This was 118, so that would be 16 years worth of Congress, 16 Congresses, which is twice that, would be 32 years, the fewest laws passed. They're on track to be one of the most unproductive in modern history, with just a couple dozen laws on the books as we close out 2023. And this is not biased data because I'm bringing it to you, so it's not like it didn't come from the liberal left and it didn't come from the conservatives. This is data analytics from Quorum. And you might ask yourself, as I do, why does it matter? I'll tell you why. Because what caused the least productive year in Congress in a couple of decades? Was it divided control of Washington? You know, when the House and the Senate are in different parties' hands, or uh, what was it? No, no, no. It appears to have been the infighting within the majority party in the House, the Republican Party, because Without them operating on full steam, and when half the time they're trying to throw out a speaker or bring back or whatever they're doing, nothing happens. Legislative business stops, grinds to a halt. And that includes the three-week period in which Congress was literally paralyzed because they couldn't find a replacement for Kevin McCarthy. So after the whole get rid of Kevin McCarthy, they then spend another three weeks unable to replace Kevin McCarthy. Just 20 bills have been passed by both chambers and signed into law this year. And there are four currently waiting for President Biden's signature. That's far below even you know, historically unproductive first years. The 104th, the 112th, and the 113th Congresses in which Republicans controlled one or both chambers with first uh, Bill Clinton in the White House and then Barack Obama in the White House, they were able to pass between 70 and 73 bills. Newt Gingrich, you know, uh, who the speaker is matters. 2023 also marks the lowest point in this trend that we've seen throughout this Congress, uh, and that is gridlock. Five of the six most unproductive first years have all been since 2011. So when you, when you dig into the laws that were passed by this Congress, the picture's even worse. Most of them were unimportant, in my opinion, or uncontroversial bills that passed either by unanimous consent or with minimal opposition, including a ton of measures to 
rename veterans affairs clinics. Not that I'm, you know, don't think it's important, but come on, that's all you could do. Uh, another one was to mint a coin commemorating the 250th anniversary of the Marine Corps. Are we really going to count that as a legislative accomplishment? The other main class of legislation that Congress did manage to pass this year were things they had to pass. They had to raise the debt ceiling. They had to keep the government funded. So, you know, I sit here and, and it just, it hurts. It hurts my head and it hurts my heart. The, one of the most productive Congresses was the 117th. Of course, that's when Democrats controlled both chambers, the House and the Senate, and the White House. And a lot of the laws that got passed, you know, a lot of that marquee legislation, including the bipartisan infrastructure law and the Inflation Reduction Act, all that nonsense, I hated that legislation. But they got it done. So now what are we, what are we expecting? Next year is not gonna, doesn't look like it's gonna be any more productive. You got an election, the presidential election. You've got spending fights on the horizon. And those take up a lot of time and a lot of energy. One thing I can tell you, and it's painful for me to, to say this, one party doesn't look like it can govern. You know, it's not enough to get elected. It's not enough to even show the American people that you got their backs. You gotta get stuff done. Why on earth? Would we tolerate this from our govern government? I don't know. I really don't. And we have a bunch of stuff. Now, by the way, just in case you um, thought we were out of the, we were in the clear or out of the dark, COVID, COVID is reasserting its ugly head during our holiday travel season. And of course, how do they describe this variant? It's a devious new variant. Devious. Who even uses the word devious in 2023? The government. One school district in Pennsylvania, come on, John Fetterman, you're going to have to do better than this, has returned to virtual learning because the apparently parents are blaming in-classroom settings for an, upt an uptick or an epidemic in elementary, middle, and high school, a flu outbreak. So now, it's not even COVID, it's the flu. And so, because 30 kids in this school district, I think it's the Charleroi Area School District, they have decided that because 30 students went home, and a couple of them were really sick, I'm not minimizing the sick part. But the school district made a decision already to move to remote learning. How did that remote learning work for us, guys? Anybody want to, you know, think about that for a minute? The turning point, apparently, for the superintendent of schools was when an elementary school nurse called him and said she needed to see me immediately. 10 a.m. on Wednesday. 
And then we just got our administrative team together and made a decision. It was a tough decision, but we know it was the right one to protect our students and staff. When you get 80 students visiting the nurse's office and over 30 are going home prior to noon, there's an issue. Yeah, but it's not the plague. Why would you make a decision like this? First and foremost, they're going on holiday break. Why would you say that until the holiday break, you're going to be virtual learning? Why wouldn't you just wait until after the break to see if the numbers are still high for people with the flu, kids with the flu? It's just we're so unbelievably extreme. A lot of parents who commented on the notice on the district's Facebook page said they were pretty frustrated with both the temporary transition and school attendance policies they believe contributed to the outbreak. Stop threatening parents with truancy charges for keeping our sick kids home. Who does that? Quit telling parents how to parent. They know what's best for their children. And 24 hours, they gave them 24 hours to say your kids are staying home. We're going remote. What about if you have a job? Oh, guess what? Your kid may be home alone. It's that time of year anyway, right? Macaulay Culkin, you know, just run it on a loop. All right, let me take a break. Stay right where you are. We got lots more to talk about and not that much time left to talk about it. So stay right where you are. I'll be right back. So, of course, uh, we barely have any coverage because now it's just old news and nobody cares anymore. But what's happening at the southern border is beyond description. They just encountered the highest number of illegal immigrants at the U.S.-Mexico border on Monday than any day, any day ever, upending all the other records that the Biden administration has said over the past three years. The Washington Examiner got some uh, internal data from the U.S. Customs and Border Protection that revealed 14,509 immigrants were encountered by federal law enforcement at the southern border on Monday. Let me, let me just repeat that because I don't think people are really hearing the number because you can't just laugh it off or, or wave it off. 14,509 immigrants. Those were the ones that were encountered at the southern border on Monday. And a large majority of encounters were people, immigrants, who walked around the port of entry and then crossed into the country illegally while a small percentage actually tried to enter at the port of entry and got denied admission. You had 5,000 in Tucson, more than 5,000 in Del Rio, almost 5,000 in uh, the uh, Rio Grande Valley sector. You had 4,722 in El Paso. You had almost 2,500 in San Diego sector. Think about these numbers. Those are the ones that we know about. How many do we not know about? It's very, very concerning. Tony Gonzalez, who's a congressman down there, whose district runs along 800 miles of this 2,000-mile border, 
said it was all very sad. He believes the situation in Eagle Pass, Texas, which is a border town where 2,500 immigrants were arrested on Sunday, will continue to decline, but that the extent would depend on how the Biden administration responds. How much pressure do you get gets put on the U.S. officials, on the Mexican officials for that matter? House Homeland Security Committee Chairman Mark Green was on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, and he said another record. Over 14,500 illegal immigrants have been encountered while entering our country. The single worst 24 hours for the southwest border in our nation's history. Did you hear that anywhere on the news? You may have read it because you do read all kinds of publications. My audience is smarter than the average bear. But I didn't hear it anywhere. And while I may not watch television news, I have a husband who does. I have lots of friends who do. People will text me when there's a breaking news story that they think I, I really should be checking out or they'll text me to see what I think about it. I didn't hear from anybody. Apparently, you know, <laughs> that's not that big a deal anymore. That's right. We 14,500 illegal immigrants, eh, another day at the southern border. And we have no idea where those illegal immigrants came from. But I'm betting that most of them did not come from Mexico. They're being bused now to all these other regions for processing because there's no way that these facilities can, first of all, they can't process them. Second of all, they have nowhere to put them. You know, the existing Border Patrol station in the Eagle Pass area, I've actually been there. It's too small to accommodate, I think maybe you can get 400, 500 people in there. That's at least the way it was when I last saw it. So they put these tents up outside of town and and it's on a, a, a road that's called Firefly. So now it's the facility is Firefly. It's designed, the tent is designed to hold about a thousand people. But as of Tuesday, there were 3,000 immigrants right there. Today, three times over the legal limit. And that doesn't include all the people being bused to other regions for processing. One of the officials at the tent facility told a reporter that it sends out 30 to 50 large buses of immigrants to other regions every day. All the Border Patrol highway checkpoints, including the one that's just north of Eagle Pass, shut down. Why? Because the agents are needed to process the migrants. They can't, they got to transport them. They got to process them. So at least what did President Joe Biden have to say about this? He didn't say anything about this. Okay, well, what did uh, Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security have to say about this? Mm. He didn't respond to a request by the Washington Examiner for a comment. So, no comprende, no habla inglés, nobody's talking. That's why I say to you, be very, very careful. If they're covering certain news stories, look carefully 
at why they're covering those news stories. Because apparently, they have decided that 4,500 illegal immigrants coming into your country is not a big news story. Then why would you care what they think is a big news story? Because they are out of their minds. They don't know how to gather news and disseminate information anymore. They just don't. It's like trying to be, uh, to make sense of how people could look at what happened on October 7th and think that Israel is in the wrong. Because if you looked at any of the footage, and I, you know, I'm, for, unfortunately, I looked at some of the footage. And I, trust me, I couldn't look at all the footage that was available. But you just have to look at like one minute of that footage to understand that Hamas wanted a war and they wanted to kill as many Jews as they possibly could before the war started. So we're sitting here and the media is telling us like, well, you know, uh, uh, accidentally some hostages got killed. Now the people are up in arms. That's right. The people are mad at, uh, at uh, Bibi Netanyahu and they want this all to end. I don't believe that. I think the people are pretty disturbed at what happened. And I think they would prefer that no more hostages get killed. But I think at this point, they've probably pretty well figured out that a lot of the hostages have already been killed. <clears throat> and that a lot of the hostages are never coming home anyway. But we shall see. And I'm not sure what that looks like. So the other uh, headline, and, and everybody knows I, I do not support our governor running in this primary. Didn't support it from the beginning, not because I don't think he's a great governor. He is a great governor. <coughs> but because I want to see Donald Trump back in the White House, and I knew that it was going to go the direction it's going. But when you look at this, the headline in The Hill today Wheels threatened to come off DeSantis campaign. Internal turmoil. They're like literally gleeful. The same people who said, we can't have Donald Trump back there, are now gleeful that the only real contender against him, because uh, you can all, you know, toot your Nikki Haley horns all you want to. She doesn't stand a prayer. But the only person that ever did pose a significant threat was uh, Ron DeSantis. And they're just so happy. The Washington Post said there's chaos in the Never Back Down pack. And there was a complaint filed yesterday by the Campaign Legal Center that alleges that uh, Ron DeSantis illegally coordinated with the super PAC. And all of this is not good. Not good for his campaign. But what did your favorite radio talk show host say at the beginning of all this. I said, this is a very risky move by our governor because first and foremost, they will hate him with the same passion they hate every other Republican candidate and his day will come when they just can't destroy him fast enough. And then I also said, and if he has significant problems, which he's having, he will never be able to run for that office in the future, which would be really tragic. He should have held his uh, fire or whatever the right expression is and waited 
because he would have been a great, a great candidate and a big contender down the line. Now he's just going to be, you know, that guy. Mm -hmm. That guy whose wife became governor after him or something like that. Don't forget, coming up after me is Eric Erickson, followed by Joe Paggs and Lars Larson, the Red Eye Radio at 6 a.m. Jen and Bill will be back with the South Florida Morning Show. And then uh, Brian Kilmeade returns at 9 a.m., Dan Bongino at noon, and me again at 3 o'clock. But I still have one segment left. Stay right where you are. Pat made a very good point. She said uh, the fewer laws the better the safest time in america is when congress is not in session to shake pat i have to i have to give you that one that is that is way true so many things that i haven't had a chance to talk about but i will i look at some of these at the end of the year when you're doing all of your tallying of what groups you may have donated to you know i try to make sure that every year, I've been very blessed that I, I'm of like a blessing depot. I like to make sure that I donate to groups that use the money wisely and don't spend a lot of money on salaries and stuff. Like, you know, I would never give to like the Clinton Global Initiative, which was like 96% of their money went to them and 4% went to the charitable works that they were supposed to be doing in places like Haiti. So I actually study which, including the ones that I contribute to on a regular basis, because sometimes they start out great and then they, uh, they fall off. So I, I always check, you know, what is the percentage of money that's actually going to what causes and what does it look like um, when you look right down the line. And I, I, it's pretty scary when you find out that there are organizations that get tons of money. And one of them may be a, a, one that you donate money to. Like, I don't know if you donate to the National Rifle Association. I used to be a big donor to the NRA until I found out that the NRA wasn't going to back up Kyle Rittenhouse, the young man who basically uh, defended his own life against a bunch of rioters and uh, got arrested and plenty of crazy stuff. He was, uh, you know, a survivor of those riots and he did prevail in the legal case because a Black Lives Matter rioter that he shot sued him. But, you know, the NRA wouldn't step into that, that case. So I said, why am I donating money to the NRA if they're not defending gun owners who may need defense. It should have been a call to action to preserve all of our Second Amendment rights, but they weren't there. So I don't donate to them anymore. And I, I was reading an article just today that Tucker Carlson finally woke up to that fact as well and struck them from his list of organizations that you're gonna fund. I know some people who were donors to BLM, uh, not because of anything they heard on my show, but whatever. They were donating to BLM, but when they started to hear some of this garbage that BLM was doing with their money, they said, whoa, uh-uh, not going to give them another dime. I get it. 
You have to be proactive. You have to understand that there is a responsibility on your part if you give money to an organization to know where that money is going, what they're using that money for, just because their name sounds great. I remember when I thought, oh, I'll give to any veterans organizations that's out there until I started checking out a lot of veterans organizations where they had salaries in the 50%. I mean, half of the money was going to salaries. No, I don't, I don't contribute to organizations where the ratio, and you can just tell, you know, check on Charity Navigator anytime, but if, if they're not giving more than, um, my cutoff is 8% of their money should go to expenses and 92% should go to the cause. And if not, they can't have my money. You know, that, that, then it becomes highly suspect to me. And I think you should do the same thing. It's the end of the year. Decide where your last few, nobody's got that much money to donate anymore under the Bidenomics, but whatever your donations are going to be, make sure that the organizations you give money to are doing the right thing with your money. Because if not, then give your money to someone else. That's all. You know, there's plenty of organizations that could use the help. Plenty of people that are in need. You don't have to be throwing it away at big t names that have fancy names. Uh, if they're not doing what they're supposed to do, whoa, what happened to the time here? All right, well, thank you for your time this time until next time. And my plan is to be back here tomorrow at three o'clock if it be his will and he delays his coming. Remember what I always say, what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself because everybody else is taken. And then may God bless you. May God bless Israel. And may God bless the United States of America. I'll see you all tomorrow at 3. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.